Brother Nigel, we're delighted that you're here. Thank you for coming. The Lord bless you. All right. Turn with me to Psalm 34, please. And while you're turning up that place, could I thank your minister in the session here for the opportunity to come and to testify of the goodness and the mercy of my great Saviour. Psalm 34. And the verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked on him, and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him, and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Amen. And we know that God does always bless his his own word for his dear son's sake. Amen. I do thank the Lord that I have a testimony to give this evening and have been given again this glorious opportunity to boast of Christ, to boast of his mercy and of his love and of his kindness. I had the great privilege and young people don't ever despise the uh, privilege of being brought up in a home uh, where God's word is honoured and where the Lord's day is kept and where the things of God are precious. It's one of the greatest honours and the greatest privileges that a child can have to be brought up in such a home as that. I wasn't very old uh, when I come to understand that I was a sinner. Yes, I was up around my early teenage years, but I wasn't very old in the grand scheme of things when God pressed upon my heart that I was a sinner. We were sent along to church. We were sent along to afternoon Sunday schools. We were sent along, as uh, Brother McLaughlin has already indicated, about the faith mission. We were brought up in the faith mission. Every mission that came into our area, our parents had us at it. I had six sisters and one brother, so there was a large household of us. On the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day was kept all of the day, and worshipping God. I know today it's a done thing to give an hour in the Sabbath morning and perhaps maybe an hour on Sunday evening. But we were sent to Sabbath school in the afternoon and if there was none on, uh, then uh, we um, played church. I was the preacher. Not that I knew much of God's word at that point, but that's how we occupied our Sundays. And dear forbid this evening, and I say this with all love and reverence, that we're playing church. That's never come to God's house and play at church. It's a serious business. 
It's the place where God has covenanted to meet with his people. So it's serious business. I knew early that no matter what I'd done of myself, all my keeping of the Sabbath, all my church attendance couldn't get me into heaven. I learned early that Christ died for my sins. By grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's a gift that has to be received. And it can only be received by faith alone in Christ alone. We had to take that step in faith and accept what Christ had done for us at Calvary. Was enough. It's all. He had taken our place. The punishment that every sinner should bear. Christ bore that sin for his people. You know, there are many, many lovely hymns and we sang some of the lovely hymns again this evening. And there are many hymns I love. What a friend we have in Jesus must be one of the the loveliest hymns in our hymn book. To be able to take our sins and our griefs and all that, that trouble us to him. You know, there's another one and my wife will know when I say it because I'm often singing it. Be still my soul. The Lord is on thy side. But one that really causes me to hold back tears is that hymn, How Great Thou Art, in the third verse. And when I think of God, his Son not sparing, sent him to die. You know, friends, I can scarcely take that in, that God would give his Son for me. I can scarcely take it in that on the cross my burden, my sin, my guilt, gladly bearing. Christ bled and died to bear away my sin. Nothing that I could do could cleanse me from sin. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses from all sin. Leviticus 17 puts it, it's the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. And there in my brother's home, 40 plus years ago, I bowed before a holy God. And I cried to God to be merciful to me, the sinner. I took Christ at his word in simple faith. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I became a new creature in Christ. All old desires, all old things and passions passed away and I became that new creature in Christ have I failed the Lord you ask I hang my head in shame this evening with a heavy heart I say yes I have sinned in thought I have sinned in word and I have sinned in deed I have failed my merciful God and my loving Saviour. But I'll tell you this. He has never failed me. And that's not a cliche. That's not just something that we stand up here and it's a phrase that runs off our lips. This is my experience. Christ Jesus has never failed me. In all my wanderings and going astray. He has remained the same. He has loved me still. 
You know, it hasn't been an easy road. It hasn't been an easy journey with the Lord. Then, of course, we're not promised that in Scripture. The Lord doesn't, yes, there may be those out there that preach another gospel and will tell us that uh, come to faith in Christ and all your worries will be over. Well, rather, I read in John 16 and the verse 33 that in this world ye shall have tribulations. You're going to have trials, men and women and young people. You're going to have sorrows and you're going to have disappointments. You're going to have sickness and suffering. See, trusting Christ does not put an end to conflict. Quite the opposite, in fact. Perhaps most of you who know and love the Lord could testify that you never knew that there was a, a, a devil out there until you came to know the Lord. And then he was hot on your heels at every turn. At every path that you took, he was there. Like the roaring lion snapping at your heels. You see, all that would seek to live godly, all that would seek to live right in Christ shall suffer persecution. You know, when, when suffering and sorrow and persecution comes rapping on the door, we should really open the door and say, Hello, I was expecting you. That's how the believer should live. Because it's going to come. And if you haven't had it yet, it's coming. And I don't say that to dishearten you, but that's what the Bible teaches. That's what the, God, the, the Word of God tells us. The, there are many different types of persecution. There are many different trials. They come in every shape and form. Every one of us has our own particular difficulty and our own particular trial. The world is no friend to the child of God. The ungodly will mock us and, and, and they will scoff us and they will seek to, to dishearten us. You know what the psalmist says? A man's enemies are they of his own household. Isn't that a strange thing? That the, the, those who are of our kith and kin can be the chiefest of enemies. Remember Mary? When she took the oil to anoint the body of Christ and Judas Iscariot came along and right away he sought to dishearten her in the service of the Lord and he said that should have been sold and the money given to the poor. He was of his father the devil and he was seeking to discourage that's what Satan does he wants to discourage you and me as we serve the Lord but let me tell you this in Matthew's gospel we're told that the disciples heard the lie they heard the accusation that Judas made and they joined in the murmuring against her sometimes God's people can discourage God's people that ought not to be so we are bought by the one blood. We are redeemed by the one saviour. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we should be loving one another and encouraging one another. Instead of disheartening one another. So we will have persecutions. And I have met quite a number of those trials and difficulties. I started to go to Tandragee Free Presbyterian Church. And it was there I met my dear wife Audrey. And I do. I'm not ashamed man. And to say that I love her today more than I loved her then because she has been a great encouragement to me. It's good to have a good godly woman that encourages in the things of the Lord. Young people, if you're looking at life's partner, don't you be running around the, the, the places of the world thinking you'll get a good partner. 
You need to be in the right places to get the right partner. And you'll get no better partner in the house of the Lord. One who loves God's house and loves God's word and follows the things of the Lord. So I thank the Lord uh, for my wife and for my family. But sad to say, I spent most of my weekends patrolling the streets of Ulster in the UDR. Um, given every weekend almost to think that we were securing our little country. With the result there was no real growth in my life. There was no maturing in the things of the Lord. We need a, a proper diet, men and women. If we don't have a proper natural diet, we, we'll soon suffer the consequences of it. Well, if we don't have a, natural, uh, a, a proper spiritual diet, well then we're not going to grow in grace. And Second Peter 1 tells us that, that we are to add to faith. Faith is but the first step, as it were, coming to faith in Christ. But we're add uh, to faith. Uh, the scripture says that we are to give all diligence to add to faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness. There must be growth, men and women. God doesn't want spiritual dwarfs. He wants men and women who love him and who serve him, who move from the milk to the meat. Are you still in the milk, men and women? Young people? Have you moved on to the meat? Are you growing? You know, many near shears in my life I had with death. I called to remembrance uh, one evening as we were turning up into Lurgan off the slipway down into Kinnego Dump outside Lurgan. And uh, we were the second Land Rover in patrol. And there just was a flash and a bang. And the police car that was in front of us disintegrated into a massive hole. Men ushered out into God's great eternity, just in a flash. God was merciful. One vehicle more, I wouldn't be standing here tonight. But God had mercy. God had mercy upon me and spared my life. In September 1983, some of you men and women might remember the May's jailbreak. And I'm sure you can call to remember much or some of the detail. But I would suspect there's not too many ever heard the name of Regilin Sturrett. Reggie was my dad. On that Sabbath evening, he was lifted by the IRA as a decoy to get the prisoners through. Every Lord's Day afternoon, my dad and I walked together. That particular Sunday... My second child, my son Wayne, uh, was unsettled. We went for a drive around the long road. We met a lorry. It nearly took us off the road. And Audrey knows that if they hadn't been with me, I would have went after the lorry. But in the province of God, we were there and I went home. Dad had gone for his walk. Uh, the time went on. Tea was served. Dad hadn't appeared home. Tea was over. Dad hadn't appeared home. I took his old clothes and went out and done the farming and done the redding up of the cattle. And Dad still wasn't home. So on out of character. So I rung the police. And the police said that my dad was helping with inquiries that I could come up. And uh, me being me, I was somewhat cross that they had lifted my dad. Why should the police lift my dad? He's never done anything. He's never been in anything. 
But when I got there, I realized the story that he had been kidnapped and who'd put in his head and the gun held to his head. And he asked a lot of questions. He was asked to give his name. He was going to give a false name, but he gave his own name. And they put the name across their two-way radio and came back and said, no, you've got the wrong one. I was offered a, a personal weapon. I was offered a bulletproof vest. I was offered full-time duties. Um, hence, they were after me. Again, I would not be standing here if I had to walk that Sabbath day with my dad. Do you see hand of God in my life? Twice. Many other times that maybe I'm unaware of, but there's twice. He has spared my life. And he has kept me. I knew the Lord was dealing with me. I knew the Lord was working in my life. I knew that I had to get before the Lord. And I started to seek the face of the Lord. I got into the word of God. And I was praying. And I was pleading that the Lord would show me his will. And he led me to Bible college. I didn't want to go to Bible college. I hated reading. I hated schoolwork. I hated studying. I was much handier with my hands in the practical work. But hence I went to Bible college. I surrendered to the Lord and went in. And I can remember Mr. Douglas at the interview saying to me, if the Lord places you back in Guildford in your own congregation to serve him, how would you feel about that? And I believe that's exactly what the Lord done. I had great privileges of serving the Lord along with our, our late brother, the Reverend David Sinton. In Sunday school, in children's meeting, in youth fellowships, in, in gospel missions that we done, the, the, the Reverend Sinton and I done together, in open airs, in outreach, in a practical way at, at the building and the renovation of our, our church at, at, at present. But you know, God's children should never put down their roots too deeply. Never put down your roots too deeply and think you've arrived to your destination. Because you and I never know what God has up ahead for us. Things began to change. Circumstances started to, to move different directions. And on the surface it seemed as though everything was working against me. I was like one of old in the Old Testament. All these things are against me. As I said, the Reverend David Sinton was our pastor at that time and in a road traffic accident he was called home very suddenly. That was a big blow to me. He was a very dear friend as well as my pastor. Doors were closing from being busy in the work of the Lord to almost doing nothing. It seemed as though the Lord had just taken me and set me aside. And I couldn't understand. All I could see was people. All I could see was things working against me. And I began to seek the Lord's face earnestly. And I have to pause there, men and women, and be honest tonight. It took me some while to get to the Lord. It took me a while getting to the Lord, the one that holds all the answers. It's not true of us all when the trouble comes and trials come. We run to this one and we share it with them and we go to that and we tell them and we're on the phone and we're talking it up to them and we forget all about the one who knows all about it. And all he wants us to do is to bring our problem 
and to spread it before him. Well, finally, I came and spread, like Hezekiah, I spread my need before the Lord. And I wasn't disappointed. He brought me to Genesis 50, verse 20. And we have the account of Joseph. After his brethren had dealt very treacherously with him. You know, as I say, you know, sometimes the greatest opposition comes from within. It doesn't come from outside. And Joseph knew what it was. Joseph was his father's favourite. He had the coat of many colours. And he come and his brethren decided, well, we'll spin a bit of a lie here. We'll take his coat, we'll dip it in blood, we'll throw him in that bit of a pit over there and we'll tell our dad back home that he's dead. A wild animal killed him. You see the way the lie started? But then they thought, well, you know, we could gain out of this. Why, why should we just let him rot in there? We'll take him back out and we'll get a wee bit of money for him. Do you see how the mind thinks? But with all that, hear what Joseph said. But as for you, that's his brethren, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good. And men and women, we should pause when we see the but of God. When we see the but God, every time we read the scriptures, we should pause. But God meant it unto good. It's worth taking note. See, often we just see the storm, the black hole, and we become fearful and overwhelmed. But God means it for our good. You know, it's great to get a word from the Lord. It's a great comfort when the Lord speaks directly through his word. Almost all of my readings in, in the scripture were pointing towards trials and afflictions. And there was a strange way in my heart and in my mind. I, I knew the Lord was, was preparing me for trials yet unknown. Just after uh, Brother Sinton was called home, another dear brother in our congregation was diagnosed with um, renal cancer. And I couldn't help but pause. And I, in fact, I said to Brother Bertie, as I visited him, Bertie, if, if this was me, I, I would be in great, great trouble. Because I was only born with one kidney. And if I had cancer on my kidney and have to get it out like you, I'd have no kidneys. And I would be in deep, deep trouble. I had the great privilege and the great honour of sharing the word of God with Bertie and his family, with reading and praying and seeking to comfort them through God's word in the dying days before he passed into eternity. Bertie's cancer was non-aggressive and he lived for 18 months. At the same time, my mother had had a stroke and uh, while she made some recovery, she wasn't fit to do all around the house or get up and down the stairs. And every day, morning and night, I went and helped her up the stairs and back down the stairs in the morning. My sister that lived with her got her ready for bed. When she got into bed, I pulled up the chair and I sat down and I read and I prayed every night with my mother until my mother fell asleep 
until she dismissed me and told me that I could go home. But what a privilege. What a privilege to sit and to share with the word of God. Mother passed away on the 5th of August 2007. And the next few weeks and months, I was completely drained out. I couldn't get energy. I couldn't get strength. I was just as though I had worn myself out. And Audrey and I had come home from the midweek prayer meeting on the 12th of December 2007. Audrey had gone up to bed. I had sat down to read. And uh, by now, I, I just knew there was something wrong. Without going into all the details of how I knew, uh, I went up the stairs and I said to Audrey, I'm just not right. And she said, well, ring the doctor, we'll get him out. She said, no, the doctor, no point bringing the doctor out tonight, it'll keep to the morning. You know how us men are, <laughs> we don't want to rush to the doctor too quick. Uh, so I thought, well, I'll just get into bed. Say, no, I'll shower and I'll get into bed just in case. So, and then I got into bed and Audrey was a bit apprehensive. She got into bed and got straight back out of bed. She said, I'll ring a doctor at A&E and I'll tell them your symptoms. So that's what she done. And needless to say, like all you women, Audrey won the day. I ended up in Craig Abbott Hospital on the 12th night of December 2007. When we got there, there were no beds. And there were two other patients waiting for beds. So me being me, I says to the nurse, I'll come home and come back in the morning for you. And she took a look at me and she says, you'll not be going anywhere. Alarm bells started to ring in my mind. I knew that they were thinking something pretty serious when they weren't letting me go home. On the 17th of December, after all the tests were done, came the news that I had renal cell carcinoma. Yes, I had kidney cancer. I had a tumour four inches on my only kidney. And you know, I was as calm it was amazing how the Lord comes to your heart because it wasn't questions for the doctor that came. Like a flash, the words of David in Psalm 39 came into my mind and into my heart. David said, I was dumb. I opened not my mouth because thou didst it. David's acknowledgement was to be silent before a sovereign God who orders all things and sure. Whatever comforts David felt deprived of, whatever crosses he is burdened with in verse 2 of that particular psalm. In verse 9 he says, they'll be easy burdens. Because the Lord has done it. You know, that's what we need to understand, men and women. That is the hand of God in our lives. Whatever trials and afflictions come our way. I asked very sympathetically this evening. How is it with you suffering saint? Are you complaining at the hand of providence this evening? Are you murmuring against the way the Lord has brought you? You see our trials, our sufferings, our disappointments, our sicknesses, our difficulties don't come about by chance but by divine appointment. They're appointed by the Lord. The Most High, that's the Lord, ruleth in the kingdom of men. 
I came home that same day that they told me of my uh, cancer on the 17th of December to wait for to get the whole team together. Uh, they needed a surgical team, but they also needed an ICU bed and they also needed a dialysis team. Uh, so it had to be organized and arranged. And uh, I can remember Mr. Murray, the Reverend Samuel Murray, visiting me in my home. And in the course of the conversation, he said, Nigel, how is it that you talk about this as though it was happening to someone else? That's the peace that passes all understanding that God alone can give. It's not within man to have that peace and contentment of himself. Only the Lord can bring that contentment. You see, his word had become more alive than ever it was before. You see, many of the passages, you see, the path of God is sure. It makes no mistakes, our God. He, he brought me down to encourage Bertie's family and my mother and our family. And now the very word of God that I had been reading to them now is coming to comfort my own heart and to comfort my own soul. Oh, believer, this evening, that's why we need to hide the word of God in our heart. Not only that we might not sin against the Lord, but that when trials and difficulties come our way, they well up within us to comfort us, to encourage us, to strengthen us. His word, God's word, is our defense. God's word is our refuge. It's our hiding place. It's our comfort. You'll not find any comfort in the world, men and women. It's not there. You'll not find it in the TV set. You'll not find it in the newspaper. The comfort that you need and I need is found in God's word. On the 22nd of January 2008, the whole team was gathered together. And while we went into surgery, there was a lot of uncertainty. You know, scans can only show up so much. They're very, very clear, but... You don't really know until you're opened up on what's going to happen or what's going to go on. Uh, they thought that perhaps there might be uh, possibly that that have to take the spleen away. The tumour was resting upon the spleen as well. It might be a possibility that the whole kidney would still have to go away. They were hoping that they could save some of that kidney. But you know, I went in to surgery my wife and my children were there and they were, I know they were in fear. I know they had many fears and heaviness of heart. But I went through the theatre doors waving bye-bye and saying it'll be all right because I was in the hand of the Lord. And whatever the Lord had in store, it would be well with me. And I told the doctors just the same. I told the doctors that they would only be permitted to do whatever the Lord would allow them to do. And that he would guide them what to do. And you know at the end of a six hour operation where I had a massive bleed out. The normal thing in a bleed out in, in a, a kidney surgery is to tie off the main artery and take away the kidney. And yet God gave them men perseverance to take my kidney and in layman's terms slice it in half and replumb it. And put it back together. I forget now how many units of blood they had to give me. And they glued me and they patched me and they glued me till the bleeding stopped. When my wife and family saw me for the first time after surgery, they said they'd never seen anybody as white. 
the very tips of my ear were snow white. I'd lost so much blood. But within one hour, my half kidney had showed signs of working. That's, the God, that's God's goodness. That's God's mercy. I spent uh, some time in ICU and even there, slipping in and out of, of, of uh, uh, drug-induced unconsciousness for the pain, where they had to take away morphine and give me straight heroin for the pain. The Lord drew near. And he drew near with the, the story of the three Hebrew children. You remember the story well. I'm sure all of you know it. Where the three Hebrew children were cast into the fiery furnace. Turned up seven times as heat. And the king said to the people. Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And the people said we did. Well he says how come I see four men walking about. And one was like unto the son of God. And I believe with all my heart. That the Lord was saying. I'm with you. This is going to be no ordinary trial he said. This is going to be no ordinary affliction. But the Lord said, I am with thee. I am with thee in, in the midst of it. For lo, I am with you always, says the Lord. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and comforted my heart. You know, in all of my trials and all of my afflictions, I never asked the Lord, why me? You know, I can remember uh, some time ago, uh, um, you know, it just shows we don't, you don't make deals with God. I can remember saying, you know, Lord, uh, if I'm going to be sick, I'd rather have a heart problem because, you know, I can slow down and do less work and take the pills and I'll be okay. But don't give me cancer. You know, sometimes the Lord gives us what we don't want. We don't make deals with God. But, you know, while I never asked the Lord why me or asked the Lord to take away the cancer, I do thank the people who did pray for me and the people who are still praying for me. You know, I go various places and they'll come over and say, Nigel, we're praying for you. How are you keeping? It's very encouraging. But I did pray. And I did earnestly lay hold of the Lord that he might give me his grace. Remember Paul with the thorn in the flesh? And he prayed three times that it might go away. But the Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient. And that's all I wanted. I wanted the, the, the sufficient grace of God to be in subjection to the will of God and to live my life to the glory and honour of Christ. I simply cast my burden on the Lord because the Lord had promised to care for me. And I believed him. Do you believe him this evening when he says, cast your burden upon him for he cares for you? You know, if the Lord says something and does it, doesn't do it, he ceases to be God. Because my God can't lie. Oh, I exhort you, child of God, this evening, don't doubt your Saviour. Don't doubt your Lord. Maybe you're still bowed down with care and you're overwhelmed with trials. Think of the words of the hymn, Oh, cast your heavy burden down on Canaan's happy shore and live where the healing waters flow and wander in the wilderness of doubt and sin no more. See, doubt and sin's just a wilderness. And in a wilderness, there's no peace. 
but cast those burdens down at Christ's feet and he will give you peace. You say, I don't know that peace. Well, there's only peace in this here. God's word. That's what the psalmist said in Psalm 119, you know. Great peace have they which love thy law, that love the word. Do you love the word of God this evening, men and women, young people? Do you love it more than your necessary food? Is it the first thing you reach for as you waken in the morning? Is it the last thing you reach for at the close of a day? Is it your confidence? Is the book, the word, the inspired book, your everything? Don't look at the storm, men and women. But look at Christ. Remember the disciples that got into the boat and the Lord gave them the command to go across to the other side and the storm blew up and they became overwhelmed with fear. You and I, believer, are in the boat with Christ. It doesn't matter how great the storm will be in life. We will. We will get across to the other side. Because Christ has said, let us go across to the other side. He didn't say, let us try to get to the other side. He said, we're going to the other side. And we're going to glory. God has, by his Son, has set us on that path. Let's not look to the storm. But look to Christ. Let Christ be the one who soothes and hushes the storm in your soul this evening. Just pillow your head on his breast. Just lay it like John, the beloved disciple. Put your head on the breast of Christ and say, no matter what happens, I'm trusting Christ. I'm trusting Christ. I have had many follow-up tests. Three more coming in the next month couple just over one in June the last the latest scan uh, was the words of the consultant so cagely said there's no significant change there is a change I couldn't have treatment for my cancer there's microscopic films of, of cancer floating about in my system if they were to treat my cancer they'd wipe out the kidney so uh, I um, uh, always been tested if I as much as said I have a, a pain in my wee finger there a way to look at it I, I'm well kept a good eye on I, I must admit but um, remember I said there but a few moments ago that I would uh, rather have heart problems than cancer well uh, I got my wish I now have heart problems and cancer I had a, a procedure there to redirect the spark of my heart uh, my heart stops so if I fall down behind here you'll know what has happened my heart can pause and it momentarily waits and then starts again and as the doctor said someday it will pause and won't start but we trust God who appointed my time of birth has also appointed my time of death and so we do not despair and we do not get unduly worried uh, I know some of the nurses in um, resuscitation in Craig Avon Hospital got quite a shock uh, one day when I was in. Uh, my blood pressure had fallen quite low and I could hear the nurse shouting, we have a flat line here. And I could see all these nurses and doctors emerging from everywhere. And I went to take the oxygen mask off and she nearly broke my arm. She said, don't you be taking that off. And all I wanted to tell her that it would, it'll come back for it's happened before. And eventually she said to me, could you see me? 
say, I could see you and hear you. She says, we have had people who died with lower blood pressure than you have. My blood pressure was 40 over 19. And hence I keep taking bouts of low blood pressure. Just completely drops away for no apparent reason. And um, I would have small blackouts. So, you know, the Lord has sent many trials and afflictions our way. But he is faithful. We trust him. We wait upon him. We know that the kidney, a half kidney, can't do the work of two whole kidneys. Uh, we know that sooner or later, according to the medical professions, that the cancer will be back, if not already. There was a spot some couple of years ago on my kidney, and perhaps that's what they're watching. They're not very forthcoming with all the information sometimes. They hold back a little bit. But, you know, we're not to keep our eye on what might be. I could waste my life worrying about every pain and ache and thinking, here we go again, and miss out serving the Lord. We're saved to serve. We're saved to testify to the glory and honor of Christ. And you know, the sufferings that we have in this present time are not worthy to be compared uh, with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I don't want to, to minimize your suffering. I don't know what your, your suffering is. I don't know what your trial is today. I don't know any of you. But there's a great day coming for the child of God. When all our labours and trials are o'er. And we are safe on that beautiful shore. Just to be near the dear Lord that we adore. Will that not be glory for you as a child of God? Will that not erase every trial and every affliction? Just a glimpse. Just one glimpse of Christ. Our afflictions are only light afflictions. Oh, they're real. They're real. There's no doubt about it. There's times that they're dark and there are times they're difficult and there's times they're hard. Afflictions are meant to bring us closer to Christ. And you know the strange thing is we have this way of thinking that they're working against us. Isn't that right? When all the afflictions and sickness and sorrows come into our life we think they're working. You know what God's word says? <coughs> and they are working for us. Working for us. All those sicknesses. All those times that all I wanted to be is out and busy for the Lord. And now there are only times when health permits that I can get out to serve the Lord. And I'm thinking, oh, this is working against us. But it's not. It's working for us. Maybe there's someone here and, and you're saying, that's all right for you, Nigel. You're, you're that type of makeup. It's in your DNA to be brave and to face things head on you're not, you don't understand the troubles and the trials that I'm going through let me tell you I'm not brave I'll tell you a wee story I don't know what time it is for I don't have a watch so if I've gone over my time you must throw a hymn book at me but I'll tell you this when I was a lump of a lad I found a rusty pen and went under my nail and one of my sisters said you're going to die I passed out do you think that's brave? My hope is in Christ. My hope is in the Lord. And I tell you, I may not know your trial. I may not know your valley. Your despair this evening. But I know the lily of the valley. I know the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. And if you're in a valley this evening, 
This same Jesus in the valley with you. For he's the lily of the valley. So no matter what your trouble is, your valley, your trial, Christ is with you. He never leaves you. His arms are around about you and underneath you. No matter how low down you go in trials, afflictions and suffering and sickness, still underneath you is his arms bearing you up. Lean on them. Rest on them. Trust him. Just trust him. That's all he asks. Just trust me. I know what I'm doing. That's what the Lord's saying. I know what I'm doing. I'm bringing you to glory. We are a prepared people for a prepared place. There's much preparation to be done in our lives yet. Maybe there's one in this meeting and you're not saved. And you know nothing of God's great mercy. You know nothing of his saving grace. You know nothing of his mercy. You're still a healthy person. You're still young. You're still living for self. You're still living for the pleasures of this world. You're loving your sin. And you're loving the pleasures of your sin. I want you to hear what Paul says in Romans chapter 6 verse 16. Know ye not? In other words, do you not know that are you that are living in your sin and loving your sin and living for self, do you not know that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servant ye are, to whom ye obey? Who are you obeying this evening? If you're outside of Christ, you're obeying the devil. You're following Satan. Still in your sin, serving Satan. Satan's your master. He's your master. He who is a liar and a deceiver from the very beginning. There's no truth in him and yet you will listen to every lie and you will follow every lie and he'll tell you tonight in this meeting you have still time to make it right with God. You go out and enjoy life and before you close your eyes in death you can make your peace with God. Well then you tell me friend when are you going to die? Do you know that date? Do you know the appointed time that God has that your eyes will close in this scene of time that you can make it right with God? God's word tells me today if you shall hear his voice harden not your heart. doesn't speak in tomorrows. Only today. Today if you hear his voice harden not your heart. And yet Christ speaks the truth and he speaks it in love and you not believe him. You say in your heart I will not have this man to rule over me. John 3, 36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Condemned already. Sinner in this meeting, I say it with a heavy heart. Before a holy God, you, are, you stand condemned already. You don't need to wait to judgment day. You're condemned already. Maybe there's a backslider in this meeting. You once walked well with the Lord. You once witnessed for the Lord. You used boast of Christ and his mercy and his goodness. And today you deny your Saviour. Remember Peter? Tried to fit in with the company that he was standing with. With oaths and cursing. Have you changed your conversation to fit in with the company you're keeping? 
Is your conversation and your language become that of the vile and the undone? So that you might blend in with the ungodly. And by your very actions deny your saviour. Are you ashamed of Christ? Are you ashamed of his gospel? Are you ashamed of his word? Whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my word says Christ. Of him shall the son of man be ashamed. When he shall come into come in all his glory. Believer tonight and I'm finished. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Trust him for everything. Trust him in every trial. Trust him in every sickness, in every affliction. Backslider, you need to return to your God. And sinner, you need to seek the Lord while he may be found. You need to call upon the Lord while he is near. You know, no testimony is complete without service. Our brother alluded to us at the plan match. We had the privilege of going down there last, uh, last week, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Some 34,000 gospel calendars were given out. And some great conversations made with the lost. You know, the Lord makes no mistakes. You know, the Lord stamped and gave me a token for good that I was where he wanted me on that particular time. Do you know who was put beside our marquee? The National Kidney Association. <coughs> and in the aisle, one of the men stopped me and asked me to would I buy a raffle ticket. I said, I know I don't gamble, I don't buy raffle tickets. But I'll give you two euro for the cause toward uh, the association. Because kidneys would be very near to my heart. And that opened up the conversation. See, the Lord orders all things and sure. That's right. And I had a, a, a brief conversation with that guy in the aisle. I invited him in for tea and coffee. He came in. Sean O'Farrell is the man's name. Sean came in and we spoke for 15 or 20 minutes in the marquee about the things of God. On the last day, he came in again. And he sat down and I sat down with him for over an hour. I witnessed the hymn of Christ. Amen. I believe a man seeking, a man searching, a man troubled with the deceit of Rome. In fact, those words about the Roman Catholic Church was uh, they're deceivers. In fact, he says they're worse than sinners. That's what he said. So uh, disillusioned by the church that he put so much faith in. But we were able to bring him to the great high priest. The only high priest that a man needs. And all our brethren that laboured with us, there are 13 of us down, could tell of opportunities that God gave us to serve. Child of God, don't be ashamed to open your mouth for Christ. Because when God has given you the opportunity to speak, he has given you the words to speak, and he has prepared the person to speak to. Be bold for Christ. Speak for the Lord. And witness for the Lord. For the night cometh when no man shall work. Thank you for your patience. And thank you for your time.